Welcome to the Pursue of Bliss podcast. My name is Kristen. I'm a self-professed health, spirituality, and mindset junkie. You know that blissful happiness you feel when you're just at peace with yourself, living fully in the present moment? That's the feeling I believe we are all in the pursuit of. And I want to help you get one step closer by up-leveling your health, mindset, and love for yourself. Because that lasting and blissful happiness can only be found and created within. So get ready for all things mindset, holistic health, and spirituality. I hope this serves you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. Uh, I have so much to share, but I feel like I say this at the beginning of every single episode I put out is, oh, I have so much to share with you all because I really feel like every week is a lifetime. And before I record these podcasts, I always ask myself, what did I learn this week? What were the lessons? What was the expansion I experienced or what was the void that I went to? What was present for me? I am currently in bed right now recording this as my kitty, Destiny. Oh my gosh, she's climbing up the curtains. She is a crazy, crazy kitten, just like her mama. But I was actually laughing at myself this morning because I do feel like she came into my life with such, such, such divine purpose. And I know I've talked about this before, but I was laughing at myself because I had this kind of plan in my mind. It wasn't a serious plan, but I had kind of a plan in my mind for the rest of the year. I was going to go to the States for a month and travel around, see friends and family, and I had multiple places I wanted to go. I was going to go to Europe for a couple of months, September, October, maybe November, and then come back to Costa Rica. I had all these plans in my mind. And of course, one day I wake up and intuitively realize, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to have a kitten. She comes into my life, etc. And suddenly I can't leave her. I just, I'm looking at her right now and I can't leave her. I, especially while she's a kitten, I don't want to do that. And so now all my plans changed and, you know, obviously I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to make a plan, but my intention now is to just stay put in Costa Rica and just enjoy my time with her. I'm still going to go visit family for a week or two. My Europe plans are kind of off the table right now. And God's plan is never the same as our plan for ourselves. And I do feel that one of the reasons she came into my life was to really ground me into where I am and to kind of keep me here. Like I'm meant to stay in one place for now. My pattern, my norm is to travel, to move, to do new, exciting things and go on adventures. And I love this about me, but I've become so used to it that staying in one place for a long period of time is not normal for me. And right now I know I'm in a time period of slow of really focusing on finding the joy and the beauty and the magic and the love in the mundane, right? Like in my normal day-to-day life, I've been focusing on slowing down enough to see the divine in everything in the small moments and the moments that I'm washing my hands, the moments that I'm walking barefoot on the road and the moments that I'm playing with my cat. And I think, you know, we're trained from a really young age to seek outside of us for everything. And we're trained by social media and the world around us in Hollywood that we need to have these really exciting lives to really feel joy and to really feel successful. 
And I think I'm undoing a lot of that right now. And while I still really value excitement and adventure and travel and going to new places and traveling to Europe and all of these things, and I'm sure I'll still have some of that. I'm not saying I'm not going to travel at all. But there's a reason this kitty came into my life to ground me into this moment and to kind of mess up all of my travel plans. Because I'm realizing now that a part of me has always been seeking outside of myself for some sense of joy and excitement in the travel plans that have been constant in my life. And not to say that those plans weren't aligned and traveling has not been aligned for me. It really has been in alignment for me for the past few years. But I've really set an intention recently to connect even more deeply with myself, with my soul, with God, to really surrender and merge my life with the will of the divine and live from this really surrendered place. And in order to do that, of course, any part of me that is seeking to control or any part of me that is seeking outside of myself or outside of the divine for anything needs to be burned away. Which is why when I set this intention of, okay, I want to sur- I want to be in a deeper surrender. I want to live my life from a place of complete surrender and complete ease. I want to allow what is meant for me to come to me. That means I need to let go of any control mechanisms that are still left under the surface. And part of that was this urge to travel. This, this belief that was kind of left over unconsciously of, I need to have new and exciting experiences all the time to feel joy and excitement, to feel fulfilled in my life. Like what if I could find just as much, if not much more joy and fulfillment in the mundane as I can in a luxury, in a luxurious vacation to Italy or wherever in Europe I was planning to go? What if I didn't have to seek outside of myself in any experience to feel the joy and the love that I'm actually craving? What if it was right here the entire time and I've spent my entire life chasing it and experiences external from me? This is the lesson that I'm working through and experiencing right now is realizing that, and this is a process that I've been unraveling over really my entire life, but I need less than I think I do. We all need less than we think we do. We need less than we think we do. All the things we think we need, all the things we think are going to bring us happiness, all the things that we think of as uh, this sense of freedom, or you go on Instagram and you see all of these influencers traveling the world and we want that. We want it so bad. Why do we want it so bad? Unconsciously, we don't want it for the surface level reasons that we believe we want it for. We want it because unconsciously we think it's going to fulfill one of our unmet needs, a need for connection, a need for joy, a need for excitement, a need for fulfillment. A need for love. But you don't need to seek outside of yourself anymore. Anything you're seeking can be found within you, can be found in this moment right now. And until we realize that and ground ourselves into that, everything we attempt to manifest or create in our lives is going to be an under coming from an underlying place of control and manipulation to try to fulfill our own unmet needs in something external from us. And I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't travel, you shouldn't manifest things, because of course, I'm going to travel, I, I, I'm going to intend to manifest more things into my life, but right now I'm really coming back into integrity with myself, so that everything I'm attracting or creating in my life is coming from a space of overflow, from a space of, I'm good right here, right now. Anything else that comes my way is extra. I mean, it's really easy 
to find joy when you're on a luxurious vacation to Europe or whatever it is in your life that you think you really want. But what about in the monotony of your daily life? What about right here, right now? What if you didn't need to leave this moment to find what you were actually looking for? And what if when you stop searching and stop resisting, the joy actually expanded? Because this is like, this is the secret to life. This is the key to all of it. When you no longer try to seek outside of you and attempts or from the subtle energetic of resisting your current life, when you allow yourself to be where you are and actually find some sense of joy or even just connection to yourself or to the divine, to God, where you are right now, that expands and you begin to attract with easy experiences, which will expand that joy. But in order to really attract the most fulfilling life possible, which I know that we all desire, you have to be willing to let go of your plan for your life and what you think is best for you. Because I mentioned this already, your plan and God's plan are not going to be the same. But God's plan is going to bring you the highest level of fulfillment, of love, of joy, of peace. We're cra- we are all craving all of that on an unconscious, if not a conscious level. But in whatever way you think that you need to get there or you're going to get there is almost guaranteed to not be the way or at least not be the way of least resistance to get there. But as long as you are so tunnel vision focused on this is what I'm going to do, this is my plan, you're just going to attract more and more chaos in your life or you're going to feel more and more tension, more anxiety, more stress within your being, even if things outside of you seem like they're going the way you desire you're going to feel more internal tension and resistance until you're able to let go and surrender to the plan that actually wants to take place in your life. The way I kind of think of it is like, I'm not really living life. Life is living through me. Life is living through me. I'm experiencing it. I'm observing it. I'm witnessing it. I'm flowing with it. That doesn't mean I'm not setting intentions or making goals or not. You know, I am. But I'm in a deep state of allowing. I was just talking to my best friend this morning and we were talking about different areas of our lives where things are kind of going wrong or crumbling or not going the way we want. And we were talking about how we were both sitting back and watching certain areas of our life completely crumble and just allowing it to crumble. Because we both know and we have such deep faith that the crumbling has a purpose and that the rebuilding will happen. But as long as we are trying to do the rebuilding ourselves, if we're trying to stop the crumbling, it's like I'm imagining like a dam crumbling and like trying to hold up the dam with my hands to keep the this just like massive amount of water from flowing the way it naturally flows. It's not going to work. What's going to happen is I'm going to get more hurt because the crumbling is going (laughs) to the dam is going to break on top of me. The water is going to flood on top of me. Whereas what I could do is sit on the riverbank and watch the dam crumble and watch the water do its thing and flow and appreciate the beauty of it. I can sit and I can witness and appreciate the beauty of the crumbling without trying to stop it from crumbling. And this is the place that all the magic and the ease and everything that we all desire really comes from. Are you able to, do you have enough courage to sit on the riverbank and witness the crumbling of the dam without trying to stop it? Because it is inevitable. 
when we can try to control and manipulate. And we might even be able to work some magic and keep the dam up a little bit longer. But eventually it is going to crumble. And the resistance will make it worse and create more pain and suffering for ourselves. And so I was having this conversation with my friend and we were talking about how we're witnessing the crumbling in our own lives. And it's we were almost, we were both able to kind of look at it and laugh. And of course, when areas of your life crumble, areas that felt really good, it's going to be painful. And it's not to say that there isn't pain. Of course, I feel pain looking at areas of my life or relationships, relationships in my life that I receive a lot of love from and I have a lot of love for. It hurts to watch those fall away or crumble or shift or change. It hurts to watch things in my life that I've worked really hard for or put a lot of energy into. It hurts to watch those things crumble. But it hurts even more to try to manipulate them into staying the way that they are. This goes for people, for things, for experiences, for places, wherever the crumbling is happening in your life. And I'm in like this phase of my life where I'm not going to convince anything or anyone to stay. The door in my life is always open. If any person, if anything, any experience, any place desires to leave, great. It might hurt, but I am not going to chase anything. I'm not doing any convincing. I'm not doing any energetic manipulating. (laughs) The door is open. Because if I keep that door open, it means that new experiences, people, places, things, etc. can also come through. If I'm in a phase of manipulating and trying to control reality, saying, no, I don't want these things to leave my life, and I shut that door, not only am I keeping everything in that doesn't want to be there, but I'm keeping everything out that's actually divinely meant for me in my life. That's going to bring me more joy, peace, love, etc. than I can even imagine. But it's a matter of trusting that what's coming is so much better than what has already left or than what is on its way out right now. The crumbling has purpose. Are you able to keep the door open? Are you able to witness the crumbling without trying to control it or fix it or manipulate it? Are you able to sit with the discomfort and the pain knowing that it all has purpose? Are the, Really, the question is, are you able to trust truly that what's coming is better than what's leaving? That, that what's coming is better than what's gone? That what's coming is better than what's currently crumbling. That the crumbling doesn't mean that you're failing or that there's something wrong with you or you're moving backward in life. It's actually the opposite. It means life is rearranging itself for everything that you've ever asked for and more. But it's not going to look the way that you think it should look. It's probably not going to align with your plan. And it's not going to come without a little bit of pain and discomfort because our ability to expand in our lives is directly proportional to our ability to get comfortable with sitting with discomfort. And the more discomfort and uncertainty you're able to sit with comfortably, the more you're able to expand, the more you're able to attract effortlessly into your field, into your life, into your being. So really, the invitation here is to stop resisting the crumbling. Stop resisting the void. Stop resisting the mundane. Stop seeking outside of yourself for literally anything. When you stop seeking and resisting, everything will find you. 
but you have to slow down first. And I was getting a lot of questions this week when I did my Q&A. Uh, multiple people were asking, okay, but how do I trust? Kristen, how do I trust? How did you build your trust? How do I trust God? How do I trust that there's a plan that I can't see? How do I surrender? And the first thing that comes to mind for me is you can't trust in someone or something that you don't have a relationship with. So whether for you it's God, spirit, universe, divine, source, whatever word you use or whichever way you see it, do you have a relationship with God? I'm going to use the word God because right now that's the word that resonates with me. But if that doesn't resonate with you, replace with what does. Do you have a relationship with God? And do you have a relationship with yourself, truly, like with your soul? And you can't possibly, if you're not slowing down, Like, just imagine that you met someone, you were just introduced to someone right now. You've never met them before. You've never seen them before. You've never talked to them before. And suddenly you're asked to trust them with the plan for your entire life. Would you be able to, in an embodied way, trust them? Probably not. And so I see so many people trying to trust in in something that they have no relationship or connection with and then being so hard on themselves when they're unable to embody this deep sense of trust and surrender because trust is not something that happens in the mind. It's something that happens in the body. Same with surrender. It's an embodied state of being and you cannot get there if you don't have a relationship with the thing, person, entity, energy that you are attempting to trust or surrender to. But the problem is so many of us are living such busy lives that we don't have enough time to actually slow down and be with God and be with ourselves. We are so disconnected from the divine in our lives because of the way that we live our lives. I mean, how many free moments do you have where you're opening up your phone? I mean, I'm guilty of this. Even standing at this line in the grocery store or sitting on the toilet. How many of you bring your phone to the bathroom? We say we don't have time and we're so busy and we're hustling all the time, but even in the small moments that we could be using to connect to ourselves, we're connecting with our devices. We're filling our days with so much hustle. So what I would say to someone who feels like they're unable to trust right now is first, instead of being hard on yourself for not being able to surrender or trust, start to build a relationship with that which you are attempting to trust and surrender to. Do you have spaciousness in your life? When I think about spaciousness, it doesn't mean that you have a full day free or like you're not busy in your life, but it means do you have space around the space? Do you have spaciousness around the things? And that could literally be the moments in the grocery store where you're choosing to actually be present in the long line, where you're choosing to like breathe deeply and connect to yourself. Or connect to the divine, connect to God in these small moments. You can create spaciousness even in a really busy day. But it, it has to be done consciously. You have to choose it. I've been intentionally creating more spaciousness in my life. I've actually, in my phone, I went to my notifications. On my settings in my phone. And I turned off the notifications for everything except for phone calls. So... Instagram, iMessage, WhatsApp, everything, no notifications, everything is turned off. And I've set an intention to 
one day a week, have a day of just me where I say no to any social plans or obligations, where I clear my work schedule as much as possible, and I'm just with myself. And notifications, of course, are off, but on that day, I also delete all social media from my phone. I did it for the first time on Monday, and I have never felt more connected to something larger than myself. I've never felt more connected to God. I've never felt more connected to myself. I've never felt more clear-minded. An entire day of just relaxing, nothing to do, just being fully with myself. And on that day, I went, I drove to a beach out of, away from the town I'm living in right now for sunset. And I was the only one on the beach and it was all pink and orange and red. And I was sitting on the beach and I literally started crying because I felt God so deeply in that sunset, in the waves. Like I just, in such an embodied way, felt felt God and it was just a moment of like I just felt cracked open to love and it brought tears to my eyes because I feel like the feeling I felt in that moment was a feeling that so many of us and me myself that I saw it in, in things external to me and I found it without trying to find it by simply slowing down and being really really present really, really with myself. Everything you're seeking is already in you, but you need to slow down to find it. And it's interesting because the moment that I released the need to plan a trip to Europe, it's like my whole body, there was like a sense of relaxation. Like there was tension I was holding onto and I didn't even realize it. Because my soul, like on a soul level, I didn't want to go anywhere. I just wanted to stay, to be here, to be grounded in one place. But a part of me was pushing me to create these travel plans. And for a long time, I wasn't able to tell the difference between the part of me that wanted to create those plans from a place of desperate seeking, from a place of pain, versus the part of me that wanted to create those plans because it was her highest inspiration and there was some inspiration behind it but on an even deeper level it was not aligned but I wanted it to be aligned because it sounded so amazing and so it was almost like I bypassed or I gaslit my own soul truth soul knowing deep intuition for my own plan and of course my own plan was derailed in the end because I know that my plan isn't always the best one and I'm surrendered even when I'm unconsciously sabotaging myself, I'm still surrendered to whatever life throws at me. Like what would happen if there was nothing you needed to do or should do or had to do with your life? Like imagine right now that there were no phones, social media didn't exist, that not one person in your life would actually ever know anything about your life, what you were going to do with your life, how you lived your life. There's nothing you needed to do, nothing you should do, no one was ever going to know. How would you actually live your life? Like what would actually bring you the most joy, the most relief in this moment? It's probably a lot less than you think it is. I've also in the last few months, I've reclaimed worship music 
when I was in high school, worship music, Christian worship music was just like my safe space, my comfort. But at the time I was going to church every weekend and it was not a healthy experience. I know a lot of you have also had traumatic religious experiences. Mine was similar. I was extremely just put off and traumatized by my religious experience and kind of moved away completely from any sense of spirituality or religion or connection to anything larger than myself for a really long time. And it's been an unraveling over years of work to kind of get back to a place where I can connect with God again and not feel traumatized by my religious experiences and create my own experience without having to be connected to a religion. And recently I've been able to reclaim the music I used to listen to and it makes me feel so connected and it feels so good to reconnect to the music that made me feel connected to God when I was younger, but that I, you know, rejected for more than a decade of my life because of religious trauma. I've been listening to a lot of Hillsong United music and I feel like just so connected to it. It makes me feel so, so, so connected and loved and at peace. And it just felt important to share that piece on here because a lot of you have reached out to me after my podcast about reclaiming the word God from a few weeks ago, or I don't know when it was, but how a lot of you are having similar experiences where you had religious trauma and now you're kind of reclaiming your relationship with God and the word God. Because for me, I used the word universe for so many years because the word God literally made me, it triggered me, it made me want to vomit. Like I had so much religious trauma around it. They couldn't even hear or say the word God. And it triggered me when other people talked about God. And if that's you, that's okay. I have so much love and compassion for you and there is no need for you to force yourself. If the word universe resonates with you, great. Keep using it, but keep connecting. But I've been on this process of constant like reclamation of God and my relationship to God. And also my relationship to Jesus, even just like as a guide, even before I healed my relationship with religion and with God, I remember in past life meditations and, and whenever I do unconscious meditations, either guided ones with a practitioner or with myself, Jesus always came through. He's been a guide for me for a really long time since I first had my spiritual awakening, my very first spiritual experience, Jesus came, Jesus came through. He's always been a guide for me as Mary has as well. Actually, Mother Mary has come through in quite a few of my own spiritual experiences and breathwork experiences and meditative experiences with my first coach. So I've always felt really deeply connected. And now I just feel like I'm reclaiming in every way my relationship with God, with Jesus, with Mother Mary, with all of these figures who have been in and out of my life in different ways. But even though they were coming through as guides for me in spiritual experiences, I still had so much resistance because of my religious trauma. I don't remember remember if I shared this on the podcast or not, but I'll share it again because <laughs> it feels important to share. When I was in high school, I remember going to church and feeling so connected and just feeling so good and feeling so loved. And it was so confusing because at the same time I was feeling so good. I remember being in like in these sermons and being told how to go and convince my friends not to have sex and how to tell them that it was dirty and bad and how to convince them to follow Jesus and all of these things. And I remember studying in my car before going to school, going to high school, these papers I had where I took notes from church to prepare myself to convince my friends that 
they shouldn't be sexual, that it was dirty, that it was bad, uh, that they should wait until marriage, that they need to follow Jesus and fix their lives and all of these things. And how traumatizing for me at 15 year old, 15 years old to think that I needed to go into high school, a triggering place to begin with and convince all of my friends that there was something wrong with them, that they were dirty. Ugh, I have so much compassion for her. And that was just the beginning of it. But my religious experience made me feel constantly like there was something wrong with me, that I needed to become this perfect, pure version of myself to receive love from this mysterious God figure who would only love me if I was perfect enough. And so it led me on this path of extreme guilt and feelings of unworthiness and unlovability every time I did something that I deemed wrong or unacceptable in the eyes of the church or in the eyes of God or even in the eyes of really myself. And so for me, the most healing journey I've really been on in the past year, and especially the past six months, is realizing that, wait, the love of God is actually unconditional, which means there is nothing I can do and no one I need to be in order to receive that love. It's been a process of breaking down my walls one by one by one by one. And not only realizing that I can receive unconditional love, but I can also give unconditional love to myself. In my moments in my moments when I feel the most unlovable and the moments where I feel like I've done the most wrong things in my mind, I can still love myself there because I am still receiving unconditional love from the Father. And this in itself has been so healing for my relationship with men because I've talked about this before once again. We often project our, our relationship with men onto, or the masculine in general, onto God or universe. Our relationship with life, with the divine, with God. And so I've lived my entire life up until, you know, recently believing that I needed to be a certain way or act a certain way or be a certain kind of person in order to receive love from the masculine in general, whether it was male friends or romantic partners or family members. It was always a story of I need to be someone other than who I am. I need to fix myself in order to receive love. So healing my relationship with God and with my religious trauma has been more than just healing that part of myself. It's been an entire life and personal transformation of learning to receive love again and learning that I'm worthy of it without needing to do or be any other way than however I am right now in this moment. And the amount of healing that this has had for my soul, I can't even put into words. (laughs) And this connects back to the crumbling I was talking about in the beginning of this episode. Why can so many of us not accept the crumbling, the void? Why do we resist life so much? Why do we resist things falling apart? Why do we control and manipulate? Because we were taught at a really young age that we're lovable when we're succeeding, when we're winning, when we have it together, when we're acting a certain way. For me, this goes back to religion, but it goes back to so much more than that. And we all get this from different areas in our lives. But what would happen when you fully accepted and loved yourself and realized that Not only were you worthy of receiving unconditional love, and you are currently receiving unconditional love from God, life, universe, but you're also worthy of giving it to yourself in every moment, even the moments when you feel like things are crumbling. Because what is this desperate need to fix things? Really on the most unconscious level, when we go really to the depth of the stories, what is there? I don't feel lovable when things around me are crumbling, so I need to fix them as soon as possible. I need to keep the dam from falling so I can make sure that I still receive love. And how do we release that resistance? 
We don't surrender by trying to surrender. Oftentimes, the surrender comes by realizing, wait, I don't need to do anything to receive love. I can have it right now in this moment while I watch the dam crumble. I can sit on the riverbank and bask in the love of God, bask in the love of myself. I don't need to stop the crumbling to receive that love that I'm so deeply craving. That is where the deep, deep embodied surrender comes from. And of course, I've been initiated into this unconditional love in such a deep way in the past month. I had this experience in my life where I found myself back in a pattern I thought I had moved through. And I was feeling deep, 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 deep shame around it. Like I was feeling intensely unlovable and unworthy because of this pattern that I had accepted back into my life. Like deep, deep shame, the kind of shame that felt unbearable. And, you know, how do we heal shame? We name it, we bring it to the surface, we share it with people we feel safe with, and when we receive unconditional love in the face of shame, it melts away. And so I am currently in a mastermind in a group of women, and it took me weeks to bring this to that group because I was so terrified of sharing it because I felt so unlovable. And... I brought it to that group and it was so messy and it was really crying my eyes out. It just was this really vulnerable, messy sharing of my heart. And in that moment, I received the most unconditional love from every woman in that group. I've never felt so chosen and so unconditionally accepted and loved in my entire life. In the moment when I felt the most unlovable I have ever felt in my life, like this story, the shame had truly convinced me. That I was so unworthy and so incapable of receiving love in the face of what I was deeming as this mistake I had made in my life. And of course, I knew that it wasn't true, but in my body, it felt true. And I couldn't get out of the story. And the moment I received that love, like I have chills right now, the shame melted away. And this is, I mean, we can't heal shame on our own. We need each other. We need each other. Love heals, but oftentimes we need that love to be reflected back to us. And this is the same thing that happens in my mastermind. Messy vulnerability and messing sharing of our hearts in a safe space is one of the most deeply healing things we can ever do for ourselves. To bring the parts of ourselves that feel the most shameful to the light and to receive love and to be chosen anyway, ugh, there are no words for the power that that has. Whether it's in a one-on-one container or a group space, we're not meant to heal alone. We're not meant to walk this path alone. We need each other. And vulnerability is fucking terrifying. It is so scary. I can't tell you how many times I was looking at my phone, holding down the record button to share my heart with that group of women, and I just canceled it over and over and over, and I froze. I had to build courage to be able to do it because vulnerability is so scary. It literally feels like dying sometimes. And this is why I always say, careful what you ask for. If you want growth, if you want that expansive life, if you want that deep fulfillment and joy, it takes a lot of courage. And I say this all the time, but ease is not easy. It takes extreme courage, extreme courage to break down the walls around your heart, the walls around our hearts. Because only with an open heart 
can we attract with ease everything we're worthy of and we desire. Only then can we feel the love that is actually present for us. If our walls are up, we can't feel the love. Even if it's here banging on the, on the door, we can't feel it. How do we break down the walls? Vulnerability. Messy fucking vulnerability. Messy, chaotic sharing of our hearts in safe spaces. And the receiving of unconditional love and acceptance in the face of all of our shame and guilt and judgment of ourselves. And this is why right now I'm just so resistant to the culture of fixing ourselves. And I, every single week I do a Q&A, I get this question. How do I clear my money blocks? How do I clear my money limiting beliefs? And my answer is always the same. I am so ambivalent about clearing money limiting beliefs or any limiting beliefs like yes I teach this in my BAA my initial program I teach how to clear limiting beliefs because it is important to know how to do this and it's important to become aware of your limiting beliefs but once you've done the basics you don't need to keep fixing yourself in the beginning yes if you've been unconscious your entire life yes there is some work that is necessary to bring the unconscious to the surface to understand what's there, to learn how to shift your mindset, to shift your thought patterns, to shift the stories. But once you understand that you've done the basics, you're aware of what's within you, you know how to work with your unconscious, you don't need to keep trying to constantly uncover and fix your limiting beliefs because it's coming, for most people, it comes from the energy of, I'm broken, I need fixing. You don't need fixing, you need loving. I'm done supporting a culture of fixing ourselves to feel worthy of love. Slow down. What if you never needed to uncover or rewire another limiting belief for the rest of your life? How does that feel in your body? What if it was enough to just accept them? To just love on them? What if you didn't need to do, actively do anything else to heal, to become worthy of everything you desire? If you want to manifest through control and manipulation and kind of force manifest with efforting your way to attracting money, great. Yeah, you should sit down and uncover all of your limiting beliefs and rewire every single one. But that's the thing about force manifesting and efforting, manifestation through efforting. It's almost always coming from an energy, a subtle energy of unworthiness. That's why it has that desperation behind it. Whereas when we attract from this space of ease, from a space of worthiness and and love is coming from this open-hearted place. And this open-hearted place means that we're staying open when we find beliefs in ourselves that don't feel good. No more closing our hearts down to ourselves and hiding behind walls and trying to fix things so that we can feel more worthy of love or move closer to this perfection or ideal version of ourselves that we're chasing no no more of that instead we get to open our hearts and realize that wait this part of me feels imperfect this part of me feels painful to look at because it makes me feel unworthy when I see this belief within myself that I don't like but instead of shutting down my heart and trying to fix myself I'm instead going to open my heart and send acceptance and love to this part of myself what if it was okay that I feel uncomfortable about money sometimes. What if that was okay? What if I didn't need to resist that? What if it was okay if I learned some limiting beliefs about money from my parents growing up? What if that was okay? What if it was enough to just witness that within me? What if I accepted that belief? Because you know what every limiting belief really is? It's your five-year-old self 
When we reject these parts of ourselves, when we try to fix it, we're showing our five-year-old self, our inner child, that she's not good enough, that she needs to become better. We abandon her over and over and over and over in the name of healing. What if we just slowed down and we were just with her or him, with our inner children? Like next time you find a limiting belief, imagine your little inner child sitting next to you crying, saying this to you. Are you going to tell her to go journal on this belief for 20 minutes? Are you going to tell her to go meditate or buy a course? No. You're going to pull her into your lap and hug her and show her how much you unconditionally love her exactly as she is. When she's crying to you saying, oh my gosh, I feel unlovable because X, Y, Z. I feel unlovable because I feel like my body isn't good enough. I feel unlovable because I don't have enough money. I feel unlovable because I don't have a perfect relationship with money. Are you going to be like, yeah, you're right. You need to go fix your relationship with money. Let's go journal on this. No, 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 no. You're going to pull her into your arms and you're going to love her and let her know that I love you exactly as you are. And no matter how your relationship with money is, no matter how your relationship to your body is, no matter how your relationship with with people are, I still love you. You're never going to lose me. I'm never going to leave you. And I support you changing your life for the better. But I want you to know that you don't need to do it to receive love from me. I accept you exactly as you are right now. Feel how powerful that is. How powerful would it be to have someone just come and hug you right now? If you were just fully exposed and raw and vulnerable and your heart was open and all of the places you feel immense shame was just there out for everyone to see. Imagine in that moment, someone you deeply care about comes up to you and just holds you and says, I love you more because of this. These wounds, these places that hurt, the places that feel raw and vulnerable and not good enough or dirty or bad or wrong, I love you more because of this. You don't need to hide these pieces or change them to earn my love. I love you now. I support you changing if you desire to change, but you don't need to change to receive any love from me. This is the kind of love we get to gift to ourselves. And this is also the kind of love that is present to be received from God, from life. This is the kind of love that transforms lives, that will transform your life, right? This is what is required to get to that space of attracting with ease, right? Everyone wants that. How do I attract with ease? It's easy, right? Of course, it's not easy, but it's simple. Open your heart. Easier said than done, of course takes a lot of fucking courage to open your heart when it wants to shut down. It takes a lot of fucking courage to choose yourself over and over and over when everything in you is saying to seek outside of yourself to feel good. It takes a lot, a lot, a lot of fucking courage to leave the door of your life open when all you want is to hold everything you love really, really close to you, to chain everything down so that no one and no thing will ever abandon you again. It takes a lot of fucking courage to no longer convince people to understand you. It takes a lot of courage to allow yourself to be misunderstood because you're no longer abandoning your inner child. You're no longer 
trying to convince others to understand you because you know that you understanding yourself is enough. It takes a lot of courage to sit back and witness the crumbling without trying to change it or manipulate it or stop it. It takes a lot of courage to sit in the fires of life and allow yourself to literally be burned. It takes a lot of courage to be in that pain. It takes a lot of courage to allow your heart to be cracked open. It takes a lot of courage to be at any stage of this process, which is why I'm so in awe and reverence of the women that I work with and my mastermind and my one-on-one containers. Their courage, their, their vulnerability, their depth is inspiring. It's awe-inspiring, which is why I always say I only work with soulmate clients because you have to be ready. You will be initiated. You will be cracked open. And there will be more love and peace and joy and ease than you've ever felt in your life. But first, there will be an initiation. There will be a cracking. There will be an opening. There may even be a crumbling. And I'm here to hold you and love you all the way through it. That's what I do for my clients. We all need someone to reflect back to us the love that we're so deserving of that sometimes we're just not able to access. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. And that's all. And if you do feel inspired to work with me, as usual, link is in the show notes or in the bio of my Instagram, if you feel so called. I do feel feel one more one-on-one client on her way to me right now. can feel her soul so deeply. Can't wait to meet you in the physical realm. So if you feel like that's you, reach out. As always, it means the world to me when you share, when you repost, when you send the episodes to your friends. It makes me so happy. Literally, I don't think a week has gone by in the past six weeks that I haven't been brought to tears by your messages to me about the podcast. Really brought to tears. I am so honored to be doing this work and to be sharing my heart with you. Thank you for being here and listening to my voice. I love you so much. And I'll talk to you all next week.